Welcome to the Daily Drive. This show is dedicated to keeping you educated, informed, and most importantly, driven to succeed. We want your feedback, so call us at 1-800-437-5121. Everyone on the Daily Drive Show team hopes you enjoy this show. Here's your host, Ken Noor. Welcome to The Daily Drive. I'm so incredibly glad that you are here today, and I hope that you are here to pick up on the second part of an interview with Ryan Smith of LeafLink. We started the interview with him yesterday, but ran out of time, and we're going to finish that today, so we're going to pick up where we left off. Thus far, what are some of your failures? What are some of the mistakes you've made? Staying, uh, maybe staying too involved in some things, and maybe trying to play the trumpet a little too long. I think that's maybe one that our team would mention. Uh, other mistakes we've made uh, around, you know, hiring is, is especially when we're hiring as a venture-backed company, uh, there are, we're moving really, really quickly. And I think one of the things that we've done well is when someone's not a fit or there's a, a challenge to address, we address it really quickly and, and move forward. Um, but at the same time, there's definitely been, team members we've had that weren't a good fit. Um, there have definitely been challenges that we've faced that, uh, you know, the, the industry is changing all the time and we want to make sure we're being as, as helpful as we can be, but uh, nothing that's probably all that different from any other quickly growing company and just making the corrections fast is the most important thing. I just, we actually just had a conversation earlier. Um, someone asked, you know, what's our culture like here? And one of the things I said is we're, you know, we're more open to making mistakes as long as you don't make them a second time than, sitting in a room and thinking, thinking, thinking forever about what we might do one day. You know, I, I love that you uh, just said that we're open and to make mistakes. There's another quote out there. You're, you're sharing back and forth quotes with me. I'll give you one that I really like. Um, we talk about often on this show, actually. Uh, and that is that uh, there, the quote, and I, I, I should know who quoted this. It's a scientist from like the 1700s. And he said that an expert is the man who has made the most mistakes in a narrow field. Because the only way to become an expert is to learn from the mistakes you make, you know. Um, and I, with you, you can't make them twice. If, if we can't learn from them, that's the point. We need to learn yeah. from our mistakes. Uh, that's how we grow and that's how we become experts in our field, is that we make that mistake and we were willing to make it. That's the other thing. I think sometimes we're... what you're talking about rather than getting stuck there but thinking of over and over and over again and that paralysis by analysis Mm -hmm. let's just go out there and figure it out and if we make a mistake we learn from it move on move around do something different yep so you mentioned that you're uh, venture capital funded or vc funded are you guys profitable yet still working towards that what's the what's the goal there we are not profitable yet. We've raised uh, $14 million to date, uh, worked with some amazing VCs on, on both coasts, and um, not yet profitable. Really, the focus of the company has been growth and, and penetrating these markets as they open, beginning to explore, um, you know, growing out some of our existing revenue lines, uh, especially into next year, but very much all around, like, capturing as much of the market as we can and, and building great tools for reduced you know, price point for, for clients to get people engaged and empowered by, by the software. Any software company in its, in its beginnings is all about capturing market share. 
and especially in this emerging space. How do you guys feel like you're doing? You're doing pretty good in it? I mean, we could always move faster, but um, one of our main metrics is um, GMV, so it's gross merchandise volume. It's basically the number of transactions that move through our marketplace, and we set a goal of hitting half a billion dollars in annualized transactions through LeafLink's marketplace by end of this year. We hit it back in July, which was really, really exciting, and that represented at the time about nine and a half of all nine and a half percent of all legal wholesale cannabis moves through LeafLink's platform. So you guys are, I'm sure, very happy with where you are in the overall uh, market penetration, if you will, to but say we're close to 10%. We're, yeah, we're pleased. But I mean, the challenge for us is because our market is growing so quickly itself, mm -hmm. we, growing fast is not enough. We have to grow faster than the natural growth occurring in the space in order to continue to capture market share. So that's the, the challenge. Oh, absolutely. With all these new markets opening up, but that's got to give you a little bit of uh, breathing room. I mean, if it, if you walked into a market, you know, if everything became legal in 50 states all of a sudden, you'd be way behind it. Yeah, and our, you know, our hope is that new states continue to legalize territory by territory, and we'll capture them as they as they come up, and we'll, you know, see what happens on the federal level. But right now, it seems that you know, most Americans don't agree on anything, but they do seem to agree that cannabis should be, in the very least, medically accessible uh, and most legalized. So um, that's the trend we're following. Describe your culture. So execution is, you know, the, the number one thing. I, mean, I think we mentioned a couple of times and, you know, earlier, but getting things done and moving forward, moving forward up and to the right. That's what we all prioritize more than anything. We're a very direct team. Don't have time to dance around issues. We call them out. We come up with solutions um, and work through them. We're we likely overcompensate even on, on communication. So we have a distributed team. There's um, our pre-distributed team. Our, our headquarters are in L.A. and New York, where we have 40 people pretty much split. Uh, and then another 10 or 15, 10, 15 uh, in some of these other markets. And so in order for people across a handful of time zones to stay on point, on goal, we spend a lot of time speaking with each other and setting goals and being transparent about what they are, where we're at, where we're falling short. I think uh, communication, execution um, are, are really, really important. And then we celebrate too, right? Like, so we can't always be pushing. We need to hit pause once in a while and just say, what a great job we've done. And you know, let's continue moving forward, enjoy that, reflect and celebrate our two other you know, goals that we, or two other cultural things that we have here. Um, and a lot of these are actually things that we've pulled out of the organic culture that seems to have already created we, we highlight a lot of them on our on our website under our, our team page but we really just distilled down what we felt was naturally here on the team that we've built so far talk to me about how you celebrate success with your with your team the main one is once we hit major goals so that for example that half a billion dollars in gmv goal while we get the whole team together that distributed team i was telling you about and this year we rented out three houses um, in, you know, uh, like at a corporate retreat area and got everyone together. So we brought together all the team members that, you know, we work every day on via Slack and email and phone calls and video chat together, but we're not physically together. Um, so flying everyone out to share that experience is one of the, you know, the biggest ways we all celebrate and reflect on the success we've had. 
you're not really in that remote workforce like uh, other organizations today we see with 100% remote you're uh, you do have a groupings of it that's got I believe that's got to be easier to develop a culture around than a fully remote but splitting the time zones is always an interesting piece too yeah, we uh we have team members uh in on both coasts in the US. We have a team member up in uh Toronto, we have Austin in Austin, Texas, we have a couple team members out in India. Um so it's like five or six time zones and really need to be very focused on communicating as best we can. Yeah, communication is difficult when you start spreading time zones, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh especially when you go international. Um yeah. what's your favorite aspect of being an entrepreneur? It's a weird question, like what's your favorite part of being an entrepreneur? Like I think sometimes people think that it's a choice that's made. I can't imagine doing anything else. So it's like like thinking about what the, like what is the best part of being of doing what you're what you naturally are supposed to be doing is hard to answer. But um, I guess maybe the best part of being an entrepreneur is just the exposure of like the there's so many interesting people that typically people get segment or like they get segmented into one industry, one pursuit, one type of job. And we have such incredible team members coming from all different verticals, all different other industries to, to technology, to, to the cannabis space, the investors that we work with and just the level of learning across all those different variations and that those relationships are, are pretty awesome. I, I very much enjoy it. I don't know if it's the best thing of being an entrepreneur um, I think freedom might play a little bit into that too, but I like being, I like the buck stops with me uh, and my co-founder. I think it's like really empowering, exciting, something that I, I definitely enjoy. I could see why others wouldn't, but it's something that I do. How do you describe the favorite part of being me? Uh, but it sounds like you've kind of been an entrepreneur for, well, before this is, uh, you know, you guys uh, launched the platform in 2016. Were you the guy with the lemonade stand at age 11? Oh, I was the guy that was, I went to a uh, Catholic parochial school and grammar school. I was the guy sneaking in candy and selling it for like 50 cents. And the nuns were, you know, putting us all in detention because I was giving up money at lunch with like my, you know, fourth grade friends because we sold so much candy, like stuff like that. Yeah. Sure. You had co-founders in a supply chain then too? Totally. That's awesome. Back in my day in, in high school was uh, cinnamon toothpicks. You could make them by just buying the toothpicks and the cinnamon oil and soaking them. And then when somebody got one of those, it would like get a smell around them. People were like, you've got cinnamon toothpicks? Where are those from? Uh, Ken has them. Yeah, that was kind of cool. If I had known about that when I was uh, in grammar school and high school, I probably would have uh, added a new product to the inventory. Yeah, it's just uh, it's not even candy. It's like... Uh, it, has a slight burn in the corner of your mouth when you make them. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was a fun thing. I remember. Um, so, so far, what's been your most satisfying moment? Before LeafLink, it was definitely selling my last company. Uh, we exited to a public company, and it was a you know great confirmation around we built something valuable, but also as an entrepreneur, you know, exits are a, a moment that people to think about and and it's a, there's some finality to that um at leaflink uh, since then probably when when we began to really see orders happening on the platform that we weren't forcing there really was uh product market fit and people felt use and, and value from our platform i can think of actually one when the first time an, an actual order happened um the whole team there's only four of us 
kind of freaked out and like, did you do that? Did you, how did that happen? And you're like, oh my God, <laughs> someone naturally went on the platform and placed an order. A little bit of dancing followed. And, um, that was definitely like a very exciting moment. I'm, I look at whole deer. It was a, a good one to have. I can tell you that when you have an idea, when you're an entrepreneur and obviously multiple business now. So when you have an idea, to me, satisfaction comes when you, you believe, you really do believe that this will work. And then there's that moment of confirmation when the market responds to what you have created and it actually does work. And then you're like, yeah, yeah all right. It was a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. We're willing to have bad ideas. It's okay. Kind of getting close to the wrap up here. What business other than your own do you most admire? Other marketplaces are... So it's just so hard to launch a successful marketplace to really change behavioral patterns and and get people to do something differently. So I spent a lot of time thinking about other marketplaces that have been built in this almost progression of a marketplace from being like Craigslist to more like specific marketplaces for just certain products. And now we're heading to marketplaces for services. I think the companies that have built amazing like these institutions really along the way have set this foundation for just an all-around more virtual buying and selling experience and everything that we do. Um, so I think marketplaces are one of the hard things to start, but really pretty quite beautiful if you get them right. Um, and that's, you know, so other marketplaces, I guess I'd say. Anyone in particular has done a good job? Uh, I'm really interested. Uh, we're, we're close with these guys. There's a company called Provi. Um, out of Chicago that does basically exactly what LeafLink does uh, for liquor. And um, it's just super cool to speak with a company that is building something, although not on purpose, you know, together each is so similar. Um, and it's interesting to see the comparison between a 100-year-old industry and a 5-year-old industry and how many of the, pe- the pains are the same. Uh, so, And plus their team's just amazing. They're from like some awesome backgrounds and I um, really like those guys. If you could travel back in time and you could walk in and talk to your former self in March of 2016, what would mm-hmm. you tell yourself? Keep pushing. I, I don't know. I there, there are things we could have done better, but I, I feel better for them having happened that way the first time. Um, I think there was, there was definitely some concern around the industry and I mean, a few, a few people said to me, you know, you're, you're entering this cannabis space, so you're going to have that mark, you know, if you want to do, you know, a group in Manhattan. So, like, a lot of people we know are in finance and then banking and real estate. That industry is, you know, that industry being cannabis could be a black eye. And it and it went from being uh, that was a question to now everyone is tripping over themselves because of the potential that exists in this space. And so any hesitation that I may have felt at that time, I probably would have risked myself more like rest assured that it was a transient temporary thing which it seems to really have become kind of the final question for you if you but not quite you'll see if okay. you were conducting if you were conducting this interview what question would you ask you like you've got a piece of advice that's inside you that would be great for another entrepreneur it's lessons learned whether it be with leaflink or somewhere else i haven't dug it out of you what question should I ask you? It's like a simple thing that I think most people don't do, but talk to more people. I, I get 
a lot of like friends, everyone wants to, you know, you're an entrepreneur, everyone wants to start their own company and like, oh, but I don't have an idea. Like ideas are worth nothing. Talk to more people and like you have to make a concerted effort to, I guess networking is a traditional phrase, but so many people have such interesting stories. And unless you set personal goals to really branch, like reach out and build this network of interesting, amazing people that you can really build with and share stories with and they can give you advice on. I mean, you need to put a lot of effort into that. It's a, it's a huge project. I think a lot of people, especially like people my age, are just thinking that the way to get ahead is to keep your head down and and just do what you're told really well. But I encourage everyone on our team, whenever we meet new people or advisors, I say, oh, go talk to them. You know, what you can learn, who they can introduce you to, you get to such a greater perspective. And I think that's something, you know, I really pride myself on doing, have dinner or drinks with a new person almost, you know, every other night. Um, people don't do that. And I think that that should be more of a, a focus for entrepreneurs, but for anyone building a career. That is a great piece of advice. Talk to more people. And, and quite candidly, there's a lot into that, but succinctly talk to more people there's a purpose behind that. And I, and I get it. That is a fantastic piece of advice. Um, networking is a, a word for that, but I think there's more to it. It's actually, I think what you're trying to also say is not only talk to more people, but listen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. That was, uh, that was fantastic. So Ryan, if somebody, one of our audience members wanted to reach out to you, find, talk to you, meet you, how, how would they get a hold of you? Yep, you could uh, reach out to us through our website or uh, shoot an email, which forwards right to mine, uh, info at leaflink.com. Um, happy to connect if you're looking for work in the industry and in any of the states we're live in, uh, but also, you know, always, like we said, looking to meet new people. So that's all good. That's where we're at. You're looking for more uh, 30 year times and interviews. So you're definitely looking for great people uh, that are coming around. You guys are growing. So um, for sure. So that's leaflink.com, right? Yep, leaflink.com. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Hey, uh, Ryan, I really do appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on the show, man. It was a great time visiting with you. I really enjoyed the conversation, Ken. Thanks again. Wow, that was a fantastic interview with Ryan. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, and I hope that you enjoy the Daily Drive enough to join us again tomorrow here on the Daily Drive. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening, and thanks to our sponsor, That Company. Why is That Company the white-label digital marketing provider for some of the biggest agencies in the industry? Because we get results, we retain clients, and we deliver profitability. Visit www.thatcompany.com to find out how we can make your agency more profitable. If you want to give us feedback, call us now at 1-800-437-5121 or drop by dailydriveshow.com. Make sure you add us to your Alexa daily briefing skill. Don't forget that you can listen to us live every day on WQBQ at 7.30 a.m. The show wouldn't be possible without the Daily Drive Show team, executive producer Jake Perrick, web guru Taj Royer, and the audio man with the plan shoddy. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow.